What's up, you guys? Welcome back to Table for Two Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten, and I am so excited that you were joining me on the podcast today. We are in episode two of season three, and I'm so pumped for today's episode. But before we dive into our conversation and we bring on our lovely guests for this week, we got to start off with one of our segments, and it is called Bops and Bevs. And if you're new around here, it's a segment where I share my favorite song and drink of the week. And it's it's so fun already because we've only done it once, and I love it. So um, this week's Bop and Bev, let's start with our song of the week. My jam of the week has been... I don't know. It's been hard because there's been a couple that I've been fluctuating through a lot. Um, But I'm going to go with This is the Gospel by um, Elevation Rhythm featuring Joel Barnes. I like this stays on repeat. That whole album just slaps. Okay, so good. Like that song and praises and so many on that album. Wind of Love. Like y'all, it's just so good. Um, But if y'all want to go hear the whole album, definitely go do it. Highly recommend it. But my bop of the week is This is the Gospel. And if you listen to it, your ears will be blessed and you will be jamming. Um, and it's so good. So go check it out. And then moving on to my beverage of the week. So right now, I talked about this last week. It is all things fall vibes. And I promised that I would, you know, show some love to my friends who do not like coffee, even though I don't understand y'all I still love y'all and so this week I have something that might make us all happy because it is something where you can choose whether or not you want the coffee option added to it or not y'all know me I'm gonna add the coffee anytime I can I'm adding it but I have a smoothie king in my area and some of y'all may not have that y'all have you know all those fancy tropical smoothies and other smoothie places that I don't have but I have smoothie king so Lately, these mornings when I want something that can still give me my coffee but can be a whole meal in one, I drive over to my nearest Smoothie King and I get me a pumpkin protein smoothie. And it's called like the high protein pumpkin smoothie, something like that. Promise you, if you just look at pumpkin, it's going to be there. So it is a pumpkin smoothie and you can decide whether you want cold brew coffee added to it or if you just want it the normal smoothie without coffee and it's delicious so if you like pumpkin and whether you like coffee or you don't as long as you have a smoothie king nearby you can go get it and so if you listen to the beverage no you can't listen to a beverage what (laughs) if you try the beverage or you listen to the bop of the week and you like what you hear you like what you're sipping on then post it to your story or message me something let me know let me know that you loved it and it'd be awesome tag me and you know shout out bops and bibs and it'll be fun and i'd love to know what you think about this week's bop and bib um so yeah that wraps up our bops and bib segment for this week and now on to the episode i'm so excited about this topic and the lovely friend i have joining me for the podcast this week we are talking about all things becoming and my friend Emily Cummins is an author, a speaker, a podcaster, and she has a book that talks all about the process of becoming and how it is such a beautiful yet messy and unique journey that we get to go on 
as we discover who it is God is calling us to be. And the beautiful thing about becoming is that it is a journey that we get to embrace that has no destination, like it has no end. On this side of eternity, we are always in the process of becoming. And I just love this conversation so much because I believe that more than ever in my 20-something era of life, I am learning what it means to step more into who I'm called to be. And I am truly understanding what it means to be in the process of becoming who I am called to be. And so without further ado, here is Emily Cummins. Let's welcome her to the table. Welcome to the table, Emily Cummins. I'm so glad that you're joining me today. I am so honored to be joining you. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, which before we even get started, I just want to honor and thank you so much because for those of you listening, I literally messaged Emily like literally yesterday (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, hi, how are you? (laughs) Quick question. Would you want to join me on the podcast, like literally in the next few days? Um, and she's just like, absolutely. And so thank you so much for just being willing to just go with it and join me. Well, truly, when I received that message, I smiled so big at the thought that you just even genuinely thought of me and invited me to this podcast today to have this conversation. I'm really honored. And of course, I was just like, yes, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> I love it. And so I cannot wait for the listeners to get to know you more. I've been following you for probably maybe a little over a year now. And it's just been so fun and encouraging as we connect and, you know, exchange messages on social media here and there. Um, And I just love what you do with your community. So to let the guests get to know you a little bit, one of my favorite questions to ask when we get started is, if I was to get coffee with you, Emily, Who shows up? What can I expect? What is it like to sit down and chat with Emily Cummins? Oh, well, first off, I'm excited we're having coffee because that is my favorite for sure. And um, I mean, I always show up to coffee, one, excited to enjoy some coffee with a warrior friend and really Mm -hmm. get to know them um, and share any encouragement from, as I would say, my warrior heart to theirs. But practically speaking, if you're like a personality test person, I am an Enneagram one. I am an INTJ. So I'm a very like type A personality. (laughs) Um, I'm very organized. I love the color purple. And if you follow me on social media, you are probably not surprised by that fact. Um, I am an author. I have the privilege of serving on a team at a local church in Ocala, Florida called Church of Hope. And I'm just really passionate about becoming who God made me to be. And then sharing just encouragement on social media, through the podcast, through my writing along the way for other warriors. So that would just be a little bit about me in a nutshell. I love it already. Just so great. Um, (laughs) So you talked about warrior friends and I'd love if you would share a little bit more about what that means in your community. Yeah. So that's like really funny. I don't, I've tried to pinpoint the very first time I started calling someone like a warrior friend. And I know like the word warrior has always been very special and important to me. I, I strive to be the strongest version of myself And that word warrior really reminds me to lean in to my strength, to who God designed me to be. And that's that foundation rooted in him. It's not this manufactured, trying to pull myself up with my bootstraps kind of strength, but strength Mm -hmm. in God, right? And so 
one day I called someone like, Hey, warrior friend, like how you doing? <laughs> and, and I remember, and then I just, it stuck. And I kept calling people like a warrior friend. And one time I was at a woman's coaching group for female leaders and the nonprofit and the business space. And a lady came up to me and she said, Emily, like, I have to tell you, thank you so much for calling me a warrior friend. And I was like, wow, okay. Like, you know, why, what did, what did that mean to you? And she shared it really in just that, those two words, it reminded her to rise up and be the warrior that she already is, that she is strong in God. And so me just simply encouraging her by calling out who she is, a warrior friend, she was able to walk forward courageously in whatever situation she was facing. And so since that story, I like now forever call people warrior friends. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Yeah. I always feel so encouraged when I see the end of a message say, you've got it, warrior friend, you can do this. And it just holds so much power. And it's like, yeah, we're like being warriors for Christ, which is so encouraging. Um, and so I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. And so for everyone listening, I want to give a little bit of context about what we're talking about and why I was so excited to have Emily join me. And so lately, I've been talking a lot on the podcast about being in my 20s and the fun adventure of being post-college and now stepping into adulthood. And I feel like something that we don't talk about that much is the process of becoming who we're made to be. And I've just been thinking and planning for the podcast. And I was like, I feel like it would be so good to have a conversation to talk about the balance of being and becoming and what that looks like as people who love Christ and want to just step more into who we are. And so you have a book called Becoming Me. And <laughs> when I was just praying about this episode, I'm like, what better person than Emily? And so I'm so excited. So to dive right into this conversation, where did the heart to help people walk into that process of becoming come from? Where did it start for you? Yeah, for me, it really started in my sophomore year of college and, and some history before that too. But there was this point halfway through college where I just came to this wrestling point in myself where I just, I felt the tension of perfection. So I like to call myself now a recovering perfectionist. Yes. And right. And so I shared, like, if I was walking to that coffee table with you earlier, I'm an Enneagram one type A personality. And that doesn't like stereotype all of us as perfectionists, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But in my personality type, like I have chased perfection for my whole life from as a little girl in ballet routines to grades throughout school and sophomore year of college. I just, I was, I was really over it. It wasn't getting me anywhere. I was frustrated. And I was reading this book um, by Shauna Nequist. It's called Bittersweet. And it's kind of cool that this chapter really catapulted this journey for me because she's speaking in chapter 25 of that book to someone in their 20s, right? And mm. she's telling us like, hey, this season is about becoming who God made you to be. And literally when I read that, it was just like this invitation from God to lay down perfection because he never designed us to be human perfects. We're human beings. Mm. And to start pursuing becoming who he uniquely designed me to be. And so that was like my inciting incident in college. And then all through my 20s, 
I had a blog and I just started writing about what it looked like to pursue becoming who God made me to be. And I mean, writing is my outlet. It's it's how I process the world. And so that was just a natural step for me to process what becoming me really looks like. And probably around like age 22 or so, I had been at that point like blogging for a while. I had graduated from college already. So I'm navigating what this whole conversation means, right? Like Mm. becoming you. And I was at this writer's boot camp and they really challenged us in our writing um, to get intentional with it. And it was there that God really prompted me like, hey, if you really believe in this concept of becoming you as fiercely as you do, and it's this worldview you have, like be intentional with that blog of yours Mm. and don't just write from what it looks like to become Emily. You know, like my mom and grandma loved reading about that to an extent, (laughs) but how could I really equip other people? So I left that writer's boot camp. And I texted my friend Amy and I was like, hey, why don't you come to my apartment? Let's set up a camera and we'll film your story. We'll call it a becoming story and we'll just share how you're becoming the Amy that God designed you to be. Hmm. And this was like in 2014 and it really launched what the time we're having this conversation today, it's 2023. And so it launched this almost a decade long journey of interviewing people, sharing how they're becoming who God made them to be, and just now starting to create resources that at the end of the day, I'm hungry for resources to become who God made me to be. And so developing those things that will help me become me, and then hopefully help you become who God made you to be too. Mm. Wow, that is so beautiful. And I love that you mentioned about in your book, you talked about being in that space and how you moved to Las Vegas, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. And you talk about the the fun season of just realizing that you can be absolutely anything. Like for the first time in yeah. your life, everything that you're about to, like everything you've been doing has kind of been socially planned for you. Like, you know, you go to school, you go to mm-hmm. college, you find the job, you start figuring things out. And it's like all the way up until maybe about 18, that was already pretty much decided for you but now for once it's like the whole world is open to you and that can be a little bit overwhelming right and so I think it'd be so cool to talk about kind of your journey of moving to Las Vegas and trying to figure out who you are and maybe speak to if someone's listening and they're in that place of oh my gosh the word becoming is just so overwhelming to me because it's almost like encapsulating the rest of your life at one moment. Um, How would you speak to that? Yeah, I really like that question because a lot of the heartbeat of my first book was that season of figuring out that word becoming for me. And that really was my 20s. I'm 32 now. And in my 20s, I graduated from the University of Florida. My whole family, my immediate family is in the state of Florida. And as you just shared, after college, I accepted a job in Las Vegas, the other side of the country. (laughs) And you're so right. Like when we go through high school, we go through college, a lot really is outlined for us. There's kind of a, a map to follow. And then you walk across that graduation stage And it's immediately like, all right, time to fly. Like, let's Mm. go figure it out. 
here's this is what adulting is. And <laughs> so many times, I mean, perhaps friends that you either grew up with or you met in college, you all might be headed in different directions. And so for me, I did head in a different direction. I moved across the country. I didn't know anyone. I knew the people at at my new workplace and they became mm-hmm. became friends. But it was the first time like I was figuring out how to live on my own and how to figure out who I wanted to be. And and in the first chapter of my book, I talk about um, the story in the Bible of the woman at the well Mm -hmm. and how she has this encounter with Jesus. And if you're not familiar with that story, you can, you know, do a quick Google search. You can read it on your YouVersion Bible app. You can read it in a Bible at the end of the day, essentially, there's this woman who is labeled by people of who they think she is, who she should be. And she has this encounter with Jesus who sees her for who she really is. And she ends up leaving her water jar, her security blanket, so to speak, mm-hmm. and is just focused on who Jesus is and who he says that she is. And then she runs and tells everybody about it. And my Vegas season, my post-college season, my 20s, was very much me looking at this water jar, hypothetically, you know, just the visual of it in my hands of who growing up a pastor's daughter I thought I needed to be, or growing up pursuing um, being in ministry or thinking I'm a writer, all these things that other voices had spoken over me. Some awesome, some maybe not the best labels, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and kind of looking at all of those things in this water jar in my hands, setting it down and having an encounter with Jesus, discovering who he designed me to be and who he made Emily to be. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what I love about the word becoming, because like, I love how you said, and you, you identified that word, it can feel overwhelming, like this huge word. And I kind of like to look at it as it's actually an invitation that I don't have to have it all figured out Mm -hmm. because the becoming side for me, because I am a Christ follower, it doesn't end on this side of eternity. I will always be becoming. I don't become on this side on the earth. I don't arrive. Um, So when I figure out the job or land, you know, meet the right Prince Charming and I get married Mm. or I have kids or I get the house or the promotion or whatever the it is, it's not about just become and then you're done. And so for me, rather than being overwhelmed by, you know, when I was in Vegas, being overwhelmed by, oh my goodness, how how am I going to figure all this out? I embraced the becoming of it and that I don't have to have it all figured out. But if I take my best step today in this moment and I get rooted in God's word, I'm talking with him, I'm getting to know him and who he says that I am, then I'm going to discover who I am. Like I like to say it, um, you know who you are when you know whose you are. Mm-hmm. And that's what becoming you is about. You have to know your creator first. From there, you'll discover who he made you to be but know him first. Amen. See, we could wrap it up right there. That's so good. <laughs> oh my goodness. You had said so much stuff in there that we could literally just go so deep into. Um, but I love that you talked about the woman at the well and talked about labels because identity is just so important. 
-hmm. in the process of becoming. And I don't find it a coincidence that the enemy is always looking for ways to attack our identity. Because like you said, if we don't know whose we are, then we'll never know who we are. And I don't find it a coincidence that when we start this process of becoming, most times it looks like finding the job or finding the Mm -hmm. spouse and all the things that we think make up arriving or becoming in that sense. And it can be so easy to look at what we do and turn that into who we become and the Mm -hmm. process of becoming. And so what advice do you have on learning how to separate what you do from who you are? Yeah. So when I was starting my first job out of college, I remember going to these like young professional mixers and <laughs> literally the first question was always like, Hey, um, I'm so, so, you know, what do you do? Hey, I'm yes. Emily. What do you do? And it's just always like, what do you do? What do you do? And so I think culturally how, how we're brought up, how we go through, you know, the journey of school and education, all of that, we really, I mean, we're used to what do you do? And then that becomes a byproduct of who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's really even challenging. Um, on the Becoming Me podcast, I always first ask, like, who who are you? You know, if you were introducing yourself to a new friend, who are you? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, we answer with what we do. And what we do is a part of who we are. Absolutely. It's, a, it's an overflow. It's a reflection. But it doesn't define who you are. And I think for me, I really learned this um, in the summer of 2016. So at this point in my journey, I had moved back to the state of Florida from my season in Las Vegas. I'm in my mid-20s. I had just started a business. So I was being an entrepreneur. I had stepped out of the ministry full-time space. I was figuring stuff out. And in the middle of that summer, I really got to a spot where I was really discouraged I was frustrated. I had changed. My labels changed, so to speak, from Mm. being on a church staff to now I'm this, you know, hashtag girl boss (laughs) at the time, an entrepreneur. Um, I had moved. So I, my friend status changed and a lot of the labels that I was identifying myself by or being defined by the external stuff, it had all changed. And so in 2016, I really was on the brink of falling into a depression. I just, I didn't, I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do or who I wanted to be. And so I remember sitting in my parents' living room and I'm just, I was sharing with my mom and dad how I was feeling, just this, this disappointment and just frustration and unknowing and that I felt so stuck. Um, And it was there that my dad looked me in the eyes without hesitating And he said, Emily, you know who you want to be. You just have to choose to be her. And so I think in that moment, this light bulb went off that who I am, it had nothing to do with my job, my job description. Um, If I had clients or didn't have clients, the state that I lived in, whether I was in an apartment or a home, if I was single or married or any other external circumstance or label, Mm -hmm. I, at the end of the day, knew who I wanted to be because I knew who my creator is. And I just had to get up and choose to be her and not Mm -hmm. allow the labels to define me anymore. 
And that was a major turning point. Like I literally, I closed my business and I interviewed and joined a church staff because that's where I knew my overflow. God designed me to invest in ministry. And so I Mm. I changed course, not because of a, a title or a label, but because of an overflow of who I know God designed me to be. And so at the end of the day, I think my encouragement is to look at if you're feeling frustrated or stuck or you're consumed or you're only seeing the labels, the external stuff, it's pausing and it's getting into a conversation with God, getting to know who he is and saying, who have you made me to be? Getting to know your creator and then choosing to be you, who he designed you uniquely to be. Mm. Gosh, that's so good. And I just love that, like, you talk about what you had to give up and also just the process of knowing at your core who God says you are. And so I kind of want to I want to start off with talking about that interesting weight of knowing who you are at your core. And I love that God is the type of God who is universal. Like there's some things that there are just automatic guarantee that God has given you identity that is universal for everyone but at the same time there's the individual part of it of the way he may display himself through us in a way that's unique to each of us and so how have you learned to navigate holding on to the core of who God says we all are while also learning to discover the unique ways that God has gifted you Absolutely. So at that core truth, like you shared, you know, that's, it's all outlined for us in the Bible. Like you're a child of God, you're loved, you're adopted, like into his family, all you're made on purpose for a purpose, all those core truths. Then if we're looking at the unique way that God designed us, one of the best steps that I have personally taken is in coaching. So I work with an Enneagram coach, Jackie Brewster, I literally, I have a standing meeting with her every month and we'll just talk through like how I'm uniquely wired in my personality and how I can continue to grow and be becoming me through that. Um, So she'll ask me like fun questions, you know, like what, what is fun to you or what's frustrating? What brings you joy? What's making you cry, you know? And, and so for me, it's been working with a coach, um, And a coach might not be your best next step wherever you're at in your season right now, but there are great Instagram accounts you can follow, podcasts you can listen to. And I think the, the best step at the end of the day is grabbing a journal or a note on your phone, however you would want to write it down and just sit with questions like, what makes me unique? What do I love? What I, what do I not love so much? What makes me cry? What makes me laugh? What if, if money was no object in the world, what would I want to wake up and do every single day? So just like get curious about what makes you come alive. What gives you so much passion? And you can even ask like people who are close to you too. Like, what do you, give me five words, um, five adjectives that describe me, you know, like a good friend, ask them what they see in you. Just get curious and then celebrate how God has uniquely designed you to be. Mm, so good. Wow. This conversation has already been so good and so incredible. But real quick, I want to take a break before we keep going to the questions. So let's move on to our segment of the week. 
This week, we have our very first IRL2 highlight, which means in real life too. And it's a segment where we highlight someone who is doing the real work of loving like Jesus, making space for people to discover what it means to take their seat at God's table and learn how to allow him to use the things in their life for his glory. And I could not think of a better person to pick for this first highlight than someone who has had a direct impact on helping me discover what it looks like to boldly claim my seat at God's table and to discover the ways that he may want to use me to help others find their seat at his table. And I'm so excited because the very first IRL2 highlight is my mentor, Hannah Gronowski Barnett. Check this out. Hey, my name is Hannah Gronowski Barnett. I am 28 years old and I am so honored to be on this week's In Real Life Highlight. I am the CEO and founder of a nonprofit organization called Generation Distinct and we really exist to help young adults discover the wrong they were born to make right. And really, I started this because I looked around at our generation and I recognized that we had amazing young people who deeply wanted to change the world. They had a lot of passion. But when I looked at their life, I saw very little action coming out of their lives. And I wondered, why is it that they have all these dreams and ideas and visions for how they want to change the world, even make an impact for the kingdom, but they're not doing anything about it? And I recognized the gap between passion and action with strategy. And I came to believe that if we could equip the next generation with the strategy they needed, we would see so much more action take place. So many things that need to be changed in the world would be changed. And so that might sound really great and exciting, but in reality, a lot of what it looks like on a daily basis is actually really normal. It looks like creating programs. It looks like training leaders. It looks like investing in people one-on-one. It looks like making sure our board is updated on our progress. It looks like fundraising, networking with donors, providing updates to people who have supported us in the past. It looks like connecting with potential partners, planning events, recruiting young people to be in our program and in our cohorts. And it looks like ultimately trying to do anything we can to create a space where young people are able to discover the wrong they were born to make right and walk fully into it. And I love that we're talking here about what it means to get beyond social media, beyond the screens, and to do this in real life. Because I have found it so much easier to talk about doing good work and far, far harder to do the good work. If we look at the example of Jesus time and time and time again, we don't see him just speaking a message. We see him spending one-on-one time with people. He didn't just talk about loving people. He loved those who were right there in his way that people would have said were the distractions, but he saw as the main event. He didn't just have good ideas about what it looks like to bring people with you and to disciple. He actually had a group of 12 that he actively invested his life in. He discipled them. We see that Jesus was the kind of person, as it says in John chapter one in the message version, that 
came down to earth and moved into the neighborhood, meaning he was proximate to people. And so for me, I could very easily just promote Generation Distinct from afar and young, hope young leaders experience transformation in our program. But for me, it's way more personal. For me, it's important for me to actually sit down at coffee tables or sit down to Zoom calls with young people across the world and actively help them take the next steps towards their calling. And truly, this has changed my life in so many ways too. It has helped me understand more of what it means to experience being on mission with Jesus. It's far more about the action and far less about just talking about it. And if you are interested in taking your next step to discover the wrong you were born to make right, if you have a big idea or dream or vision that you really need some help or training, support, mentorship, so you can take it to the next level or see it finally unleashed, you can check out more information at generationdistinct.com or you can follow us. I'm on Instagram at hannah.g.barnett or Instagram at generationdistinct. I love what is happening here on this podcast. I respect Kirsten and the incredible leader she is and the way she is highlighting these stories that are happening in real life. Thanks for listening. Incredible. Now let's get back to this week's conversation. So in your book, you talk all about the messiness of becoming from navigating friendships, perfectionism, and you have so many fun stories in there that I was reading. Like this is so real and relatable. Um, And so I'd love to talk about First of all, what it's looked like for you to navigate being willing to let go of things in order to become who you're called to be. And I know you talked about that process of moving to Las Vegas and, you know, stepping out of ministry and just removing any labels that you were carrying that really helped you feel like you knew your identity. And so what does it look like for you to learn how to just surrender to God and to be willing to let go of who we've been so that we can step more into who God is calling us to become. One of my favorite stories from the book, I mean, not so favorite in the course of living it, but I think you'll <laughs> you'll understand why. So when I decided to move back to Florida from Las Vegas, I, I was going to drive across the country. My mom flew to Vegas to drive with me, kind of like a mother-daughter road trip, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to fit everything that I was going to keep into my car. I had literally like a little red convertible at the time. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like December. So it's cold. We would be traveling through snowy States, like all of this stuff. And so I went to like, I consolidated my apartment in Las Vegas down to what I thought would only fit in my car to drive it back to Florida. Like got rid of furniture. I donated a ton of clothes, like appliance, all of this stuff just got rid of, threw away, and then packed up to keep. And um, I remember the day my mom flew in, she walked into my apartment and she was just like, I feel like you still have too much stuff. Like, how is all this going to fit in your car? And I was like, oh, it's (laughs) going to be fine. Like, it's all going to fit, you know? So we go to pack my car and my mom was right. I definitely still had too much stuff. So (laughs) I I decided at the time, I thought, you know, why don't we just box up the stuff that doesn't fit? We'll head to the UPS store and we will just mail it across the country. So that's what we did. We took all the stuff to like the store. I think I paid like $70 or something like that and shipped it across the country. We got in the car. We had an awesome road trip. We get to Florida. My boxes arrive. Life is good, right? 
So as I'm unpacking from this move and I'm settling into the state of Florida, I start making a pile of stuff to get rid of. And I kid you not, the amount of boxes of items I took to donate or to give away or to throw away was literally the same amount I had mailed across the country. And it was like this light bulb (laughs) moment. I was like, Emily, if you would have taken the time in Las Vegas to just go through that stuff one more time, Mm -hmm. you would have like saved $70 and you could have just bought new clothes in Florida (laughs) with that money, right? (laughs) And so I really started thinking about like we always will be carrying something with us in life. And there's always a cost to carrying whatever baggage it is, good and bad. And so when I choose to carry unforgiveness, the cost is the loss of a relationship. And when I choose when I choose to carry joy, well, the cost is this freedom and happiness in me. And so I think looking at everything I'm carrying as, hey, like there is a cost to what I'm carrying. Do I really want to carry? And you fill in the blank in whatever it is, if it's comparison, insecurity, anger, um, irritation, happiness, sadness, like whatever it is, everything that we choose to carry with us does have a cost. And so choosing what you want to spend your your thoughts on and your emotions and your time. And so I'm learning right now, continuing to learn because we've already established becoming doesn't end, right? So we Mm. always, always are learning. And I learned that principle in my 20s. And here in my 30s, I'm continuing to learn this balance of, okay, what do I need to lay down? So right now, I'm 32. I'm single. I'm looking at my friends who are married and they're on their like second or third kid now and they have the house and the white picket fence and, you know, all of it looks so Instagram picture worthy perfect. And so I've started carrying some comparison or some frustration like, God, why isn't this chapter happening in my story? Hmm. And I'm learning like, Emily, I can carry comparison and frustration but it's going to cost me. And so do I want to pay the cost of scrolling on Instagram and comparing myself to other people and lose out on celebrating them and where I am and what God has gifted me in this season? Mm -hmm. So I'm learning to lay those two things down right now. So that way I can walk in freedom and joy and be present and really discover what becoming me right here looks like. Wow. God is so cool because literally my next question was going to be about comparison and not letting that rob us. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it so much. And I think it's so good that you are being honest about comparison because I feel like that's one that everyone can struggle with at one point in time. And I think my favorite story while reading your book was when you ran the marathon with your friends uh-huh. and you got to the last three miles and <laughs> you were like struggling to get through it and you made it to the finish line. And instead of being able to celebrate yeah. being done, you were more focused on the fact that the three miles weren't how you wanted that to be. And I read that and I was like, whoa, if that is not so real and relatable, I don't know what is because we can easily miss the fact that we are literally walking in the process of becoming. Yeah. 
and it's so beautiful, but yet we don't even see it because we're like, well, I want to become like her over there or I want Mm -hmm. that to be part of my becoming and we miss out on it. And so what ways have you learned practically to not let comparison rob you of the joy of becoming and being intentional to focus on where you're at right now while also celebrating those around you? Yeah, so very real right now. I am learning to celebrate being single in my 30s and the gift of what I get to focus on and pursue right now. You know, I think sometimes it can it can sound almost cliche-ish, so to speak, when other people can, you know, look at whatever season you're in and when my friends who are married are like, "Well, Emily, you know, you wouldn't be able to focus on your podcast or these books or all these things you're doing if you, you know, were married or you had kids. And it's easy in my season to hear those words and not want to receive them because Mm. I have the view that I have on it, you know, and be like, well, what do you mean? I could totally still do all these things. And when I pause and I really get still and I talk with God, I know that there's validity to what they're saying. Anytime something changes in our world, whether it's a relationship status, you have a new job, like you move to a new apartment, whatever the case may be, anytime there's something new, something old really does peel away. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy for me to look at a season or a chapter that I want with rose colored glasses and think like I could do it all. Nothing would you know, stop me. But the reality is I don't know that to be true. Now, I might get married one day and yeah, maybe I will be able to still do all of these things, but I don't know that right now. And so I can embrace what my friends who are married, who are in a different season than me, who maybe know something that I don't know, and I can embrace, you know what? I don't I don't know for me, but they might be right because there's always an element of change anytime you have something new happening. Mm-hmm. And so I can embrace right here by celebrating what I get to pursue and who I get to become and be in this season as a single 30-something girl. I do have the time to write books. I do have the time to have a podcast. I do have the time to have a full-time job I love. I do have the time to celebrate other friends. And I, I mean, the list goes on. And so I think for me, It's getting to this neutral space where when what you're hoping and you're praying and you're dreaming for, the becoming you want to happen in your story right now isn't happening, it's discovering that there is joy in the becoming here, even though it doesn't always feel that way, by identifying like, what is my step here, God? Like, yeah, I might be not in the exact season that I want, or I might not have the job that I want, or I might not know what I want to do with my life yet, Mm -hmm. or I might not, you know, whatever the it is, lay that out and be super honest with God. Share your disappointment with him. You can be a warrior who weeps. He's not afraid of our emotions. Mm -hmm. And there we can stand up in this neutral space where I'm not where I want to be yet, but there's a gift for me to discover here. And I don't want to miss out on this gift here because I'm so focused on there. Mm -hmm. And for me, for Emily, I certainly don't want to speak for everybody's story. But for me, if I choose to carry the weight of only being focused on this label of singleness 
and that I just, I want to be in a relationship and that's the only thing I think about or pursue, then literally I would miss this beautiful community called becomingme.cv right here and all of the opportunities that I have to share who I am, who I'm becoming and encourage other warrior friends along the way. Like life is so beautiful here in this season and I don't want to miss it at all because I am consumed with what the next season might or might not hold. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's so true. And I think it's so cool that you talked about the importance of friendship and community and their perspective in this journey of becoming, because sometimes friendships can be part of what we may have to let go of. And I was reading the chapter on 6am friends and That's one that being 23, you're trying to navigate community and friendships. Sometimes I've found that that can be one of the hardest things to let go of. And I was, I remember talking to my mentor a couple months ago and we were talking about me wanting to just be more bold about stepping into who I am and the things I'm passionate about. And I just remember saying, I'm afraid that like, if I do that, my friends that maybe aren't wanting to just go headfirst into what they're passionate about or friends that are a little bit different are going to look at me and say, you've changed and I don't want to be your friend Mm -hmm. anymore. And that can be a scary part of becoming. And so Mm -hmm. I'd love to know, you talk about 6am friends and I think it'd be so cool if you talk about what that means and any tips that you have for navigating friendships and identifying those friends. Yeah. So 6am friends is the essential concept of like who at 6am in the morning could you call and they would pick up the phone, right? (laughs) And for me, that is a pretty short list. I know like, you know, many of us, we might have a tall list of friends on Instagram, social media, people that we might DM or chat with or we're cheering them on. But that number of who you could call at a very early time in the morning because Mm -hmm. you need them it's a, it's a small number. And I think, you know, the power of the people that you invite into your circle, it is important and it's intentional because those 6 a.m. friends, while they would answer the phone for you super early because you need them, that's the kind of people that you're inviting to speak into your life and who you're becoming. And the voices that we invite around us really do matter. And so I think Entering into friendships, it's first like choosing to be a friend. And so when I show up and I choose to be a friend to those around me, like people either will be a friend and you know they're like a 1030 a.m. friend, like you can call them in normal <laughs> normal time of the day and like life is good and you can go have a cup of coffee and it's fun, right? But I think when you continually show up and be a friend, those 6 a.m. friends do bubble to the surface. And obviously, like, I think it goes without saying foundationally too. this tight knit group of friends, the people you invite to speak into who you're becoming, that they believe the same thing that you do. They're they're pursuing Jesus and all all of that. But I know for me, the best friends that I have had have come as a result of me showing up, being a friend consistently, and they show up like right back and text me back and we talk and we have conversations and they answer the phone when I call and vice versa. And so I think we've made friendship more complicated than it really is. Mm -hmm. And it just show up, be a friend, 
And then those friends who show up back for you, like really invest in them. And the friends who maybe don't show up quite as much, like that's okay. Like you can still celebrate them, but they might not be defined as your 6am friend and that's okay too. And, and I think a moment ago, you also had mentioned about friendships changing and that's hard. Like that's really hard. Mm. And I mean, I've gone through that in chapters of my becoming story, whether it's moving or, or friends change in different seasons of life and, and life is different. And what I remind myself is just keep showing up, be a friend, but then celebrate the season I had with them. And so just because someone doesn't move forward in maybe the same kind of warrior friendship that we had before doesn't mean that they were never a really good friend or we didn't have a great time being friends. It just means it looks different now and that's okay. And I can keep cheering them on while I keep showing up, being a friend and discovering who this season's 6 a.m. friends are. Hmm. That is so powerful. And I think if you're listening and you've been navigating friendships, take some time to pray about who are your 6 a.m. friends and who are your 10.30 a.m. friends. I love that. That is so good and such wise advice. Um, And yeah, I think that's just like, that's so practical. And I think sometimes we can be so scared that if friendships change, it's such a terrible thing and it doesn't necessarily have to be. And so I love that you gave that truth that it's okay that who your 6am friends are might change and that might shift around and that's totally normal and necessary for becoming not just for you, but for the friend on the other side of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So as we wrap up this conversation, one of my beliefs that I always have when having conversations like this is that there may be someone listening that is listening for the first time or they've been listening for a little while, but they don't really have a relationship with Jesus And they've been trying to navigate what that looks like. And so I'd love to know how you would encourage someone who might be listening that you talk about how important it is that you know who you want to be and you just have to choose to be that person. And for some, it may be that they've never known Jesus, so they have no idea about their identity and who they want to become, but they're wanting to make that choice and figure out who they want to be. What advice would you give to that person? Or if you just had like two to three minutes to encourage them over coffee, what would you tell them? I love that you include this question because it's the most important question ever. Like if you are listening right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, today's your day. You know, we've talked earlier that to know who you are, you must first know whose you are. And all of these labels and all of these things that we strive for, at the end of the day, the God of the universe loved you and loved me so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to take my place, to take your place, covering our sin. And like the fact that Jesus, he did that for me because he loved me, he loves you. And then he rose again three days later. Like I'm reminded of how much... God loves me and that because Jesus came back, I can come back from anything too. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you want to know more about what that means. I am sure you can DM either of us and yes. we would be so honored to just like literally introduce you 
to God, this is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. So like, if you're feeling that prompting right now, you're like, man, I, I need to have a conversation on this. DM us. Like, we will definitely have that conversation with you. Mm. I think for the other, you know, half of us who maybe we have stepped already into a relationship with God, we don't have to make it so complicated. Like, it can feel earlier, you know, you had asked, like, that word becoming can feel like a lot. I think that sometimes we look at our relationship with God and make it more complicated than it is. It's as simple as the God of the universe loves us so much. He wants a personal relationship with us. And he wrote us a whole book, this whole love letter. And so for me, that looks like every single day I'm opening that love letter and I'm reading it. If you don't know where to start reading the Bible, that if it feels just so big and wh- where do you even start, I would recommend downloading the YouVersion Bible app. And literally every day, there's a verse of the day. Like you could start mm-hmm. there. As simple as that, read the verse of the day. They have like a prompt to guide you through prayer, through a little devotional. Like it's a really good place to start. Then you can even search plans based on topics. Like we've talked about friendship in this conversation. You can search the word friendship and find a whole Bible study to read in God's word on friendship. So find something to read every day. If you if you don't want to start with the Version Bible plan and you have even a physical copy of the Bible, start with one chapter in Proverbs every day. Like there's 30 chapters. You can read one chapter a day for a whole month mm-hmm. and they're short. They're practical. Um, but get in God's word reading, if you want to get to know somebody, you spend time with them, you yeah. talk with them, you listen to them, right? It's it's how we make friends. And so God has given us his word, read it, talk with him. Prayer is simply a conversation. Like what we're, we're having a conversation right now. Like yeah. you just have a conversation with God. Um, sometimes, you know, I, I write out my prayers in a journal. Sometimes I say them out loud. Sometimes I'm just talking to God in my mind. Um, and, and music can be a great way to like turn on some worship music, sing, um, whatever it is, you know, that you can express and have that conversation with God, lean into it, get to know him and don't make it so complicated. It's just like getting to know a friend, like, get to know God. That's how you'll discover who you are. Yes. And a man, gosh, that's so good. And just such good simple practical advice and I just have to say Emily if you have never considered having a podcast or writing a book you definitely should well thank you (laughs) um but seriously this has been such a good conversation and to add to the joke that you should try podcasting and writing a book I would love for you to just share with the (laughs) listeners (laughs) about all things that you do from being an author and where they can follow you on social media go ahead and plug as much as you want well thanks warrior friend you're just confirming some of the things that I love to do like this is the (laughs) best 
Um, so yeah, I do. I have a book. Um, it's called Becoming Me. And I will share with you, I'm currently writing my second book at the time of this conversation. Woo. So yeah, we're like, I'm 15,000 words in, have a lot of thousand words to go, but it is in the process. So the first book is currently available on Amazon. And um, I also do host a podcast called Becoming Me. So easy to remember. It's becoming me is basically all the things. Um, but the easiest way to find any resource that I'm a part of is through the website becomingme.tv. And on Instagram, I am at Emily Becomings. Love it. And all of that will be down in the show notes for you guys to follow her and check out all of her amazing things and to be ready to purchase her next book when it comes out because I'm so excited for that. Uh, But Emily, thank you so much for joining me. This has just been so refreshing and encouraging. And I definitely hope that you will join me back at the table again sometime soon. Well, I would be honored. This was so much fun. You're incredible. And I'm so encouraged by you and what you're doing, but more importantly, who you are. Anytime I get on social media and I see how you're leveraging your voice and the gift of you, who God has made you to be, I'm encouraged. And so keep being you, keep becoming you. You are a gift. And I'm just, I'm cheering you on big time as you're becoming you, warrior friend. Thank you so much, Emily. I appreciate that so much. Well, you guys, that is it for this conversation. Again, be sure to go follow Emily and let's just keep becoming together. It's going to be messy, but it'll be beautiful. Um, And we will see you next week. Bye.